Blog Talk Radio. Nice, I like this. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, that's cool. I might have to use that as my theme song there. Awesome. I'm going to cut off that jam only because we're, we're starting off on a good foot. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Haitian... Free Thinkers Radio Show on Block Talk Radio. My name is Reggie, and I am joined by a very special guest, Mr. Ron Young. But uh, before we get started, I want to let you guys know that uh, Haitian Free Thinkers is one of the world's few uh, secular groups. So if you are interested in us, we are interested in you. Um, You can find us on Facebook, but we have a presence basically on all the social media platforms, if you want to know more information about us, you can simply go to HaitianFreeThinkers.org. That is the website. It is relatively new. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can find us there. And uh, we are on Twitter at Haitian Atheist. Uh, we are on Instagram. We are on Google+, YouTube, you name it. Um, if you wish to call in, the guest call-in number is 657 388 Three one six one nine. Once again, the guest calling number is six five seven three eight three one six one nine. Ron is already on, and uh, tonight we're going to be talking about polyamory and anything else that comes to mind. So, without further ado, uh, I'm going to introduce you to Mr. Ron Young. Hey there, how you doing? Good. Is there like a delay? I don't know if it's a delay on here or not. Yes, unfortunately, there there tends to be um, like a half a second delay. So, why why advise is um, you know uh, let the person say their thoughts, wait a half a second, and then you reply that way that you know there's not people bumping into each other. So, okay, it might be a little challenging for me because I sometimes end up talking over people, but I'm going to be careful. <laughs> well, it, it it should be pretty easy because as of now it's just you and I. If there is a caller that calls, then uh, we just have to be patient. We'll explain the same thing to them, and it usually right, works out right. fine. So, um, 
before before we get started, like, um, do you know this would be awesome if you know what song and what artist that that you were listening for the intro? What's that? Would you happen to know what song and the artist that I was playing for the introduction song? No, no, that was totally new to me. I loved it though. <laughs> okay, good. Um, uh, that's Buju Bantan, and he had a song called Commitment mm-hmm. um, from from his 1993 album. I'm gonna pull up the information because I ran I'm not in front of the computer. I'm gonna give you the album's name. Um, and uh, I remember listening to that song when I was in um, high school, and it described the situation that I was going through, where there was two ladies that I wanted to uh, acquire, so to speak, get with, um, and uh, I had trouble choosing. So, so that song came on at the right time, and uh, uh-huh. you know, I I understood that I wasn't alone. Wow. You know, um, it seems to be, uh, you know, for a lot of people that um, enter into non-monogamy, a lot of it is triggered by some type of life experiences that they have. And, um, you know, um, they may be on the cusp of uh, exploring it or not even thinking that it's an option. And uh, that's what makes a lot of these songs and movies and TV shows so special. Um. So uh, give us a, a bit of, of an introduction of yourself, who you are, um, and what you do. Okay. Yeah. Well, my name is Ron Young. I'm a co-founder of an organization, international organization. goes by the name of Black and Poly. Um, what we do, we're dedicated to uh, educating and supporting people of color and those that love them, so you don't have to be black, um, that are entering into uh, this polyamorous love style. And then I want to go on and say too also um, that uh, anybody listening to this interview, just, just know that um, polyamory isn't for everybody. Um, it is something that is for me and there's um, and if something seems to, um, if, if what I'm, te- I'm saying seems to be something that um, is bashing monogamy, uh, just know that I'm not bashing monogamy. I'm uh, speaking upon my experiences as a um, polyamorous person coming from being in monogamy for 20 something years plus and um, how it's enhanced my life and made my life better. Um, now it won't do the same for everybody, but it has done that for me. Okay. Um, I, uh, I wanted to do, define some terms because I found out through numerous conversations with many different people that sometimes we're using the same word, but we think we use it in different ways or we think it means different things. So when you say polyamory, what exactly do you mean? Okay. Well, polyamory, um, it is a, um, it's an ethical form of non-monogamy. There's many forms of non-monogamy. Um, polyamory is a, an ethical form of non-monogamy. It's rooted in feminism um, and the relationships are typically geared around e- egalitarianism. That's like an equality for all. And um, it's a practice and it's an, a desire or acceptance of having more than one intimate relationship at a time. And that's with the knowledge and consent of everybody involved. It's distinct from uh, swinging. 
which emphasizes like sex with others and, and it's a recreational act. Um, polyamory also, it can, it can include um, polysexuality, which is uh, attraction towards multiple genders. It can also include, um, uh, and we've seen this where there's an intersection of, um, of asexuality. Um, um, we, we're kind of intrinsically, intrinsically connected to that community. Um, there's a lot of asexuals. So some people saying that polyamory is all about sex, or they, or they hear that polyamory is not about sex. Um, it is, it's true. Um, it, it is all that, and it is not that. So um, polyamory generally is um, about love. So um, that's what we focus on, um, love. Okay, so all those things sound good. So why would polyamory uh, stir up so much controversy when it's being brought up? What was that again? All those things sound pretty positive. So why would some people uh, find it to be controversial? I think um, we have this, uh, I, I think that our society now in the current day and age we're in now, um, we're kind of like in a sexual dark age. Um, there are a lot of things that people do and say that are kind of geared around this. Um, I, I call it an ick factor uh, when it comes to polyamory because they, they think about sex. The first thing they think about is sex. And like I said, um, there's, there's plenty of um, asexual people in our community that are not, they don't even engage in sex or, um, you know, very little. So um, I think they just uh, are confused as to what polyamory really is. Okay, so you said that you came from a monogamous background for 20-plus years. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what what caused the change, switch over to polyamory? Um, for me... Uh, it, it, it was a, a series of things that um, I, I was initially my relationship um, with my with my wife of 25 plus years has been um, we've always had kind of a non-conventional relationship. We were very relaxed in our and uh, how we um, interacted with each other. Very open. Um, we really valued our freedom. Uh, and, and with that, I, I, you know, personally, I don't even think I could have been married if I didn't have that type of relationship. Um, and, and that, it involved, it didn't involve, um, you know, dating other people or anything like that. It was just that, um, I'm an emotionally open person and I like to share and I like to, uh, um, I guess be emotionally intimate with more than one person. And, um, I, I think that's that was the trigger, I think, that uh, caused us to explore polyamory. And um, from there, it just went on. Okay. And uh, was she receptive to that when, when you expressed that to her? Uh, actually, she expressed it to me. And, it, and, you'll, and the funny thing is uh, you'll see in most uh, these polyamorous relationships where you have couples entering into polyamory, a lot of times it's the woman, most of the time. It's the woman that, that, that uh, broaches the subject. And, and um, with me, my wife, the same thing. She, 
she brought it up and um, she said that, you know, you, you may be polyamorous and maybe we should explore this because of the fact that you share in these ways that, um, that kind of says that you have an ability to um, love more than one person. So um, maybe we should explore something like this and see where it takes us. And um, uh, the first, first couple years or so, maybe first year, um, we read a lot of books. We educated ourselves on um, what this love style entailed. Um, and and I, for me, I was a little bit reluctant to engage physically with anybody. And so I, um, I stepped back a little bit, and I, and I encouraged her to, uh, if she wanted to date other people, to go ahead and do that. And um, she dated uh, – uh, she she got involved with another man, and um, while she did that, I kind of stood back, and uh, I didn't really want to bring anybody uh, into my transitioning because it can be a uh, it can be a tumultuous time, and it's it's a tough thing to to deal with. Um, so while transitioning, and uh, and you'll see a lot of people that go into polyamory, it might take them a couple years to just do it. So um, I, I sat back and I and I just kind of read and educated myself and um, learned all I could about it and tried to uh, process a lot of the things that was going on before I started dating. Okay. Uh, wow. Uh, so, so, so she's still in the picture or, I mean, I, I, I thought maybe you guys stopped being together. I wasn't sure what, what happened with What's the relationship. That? I wasn't sure What's if that? the relationship with your I wasn't sure if the relationship with your wife ended or are you guys still together? It seems like you guys oh, are yeah. still together. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't see I don't see us going anywhere. Uh I I'm just kind of one of those people that um and, and, and I think she's the same way. I'm one of those people that if I if I love someone and I tell them I love them then it's that's that's it. You know, I don't um I don't uh fall out of love. I, I you know, I love to me is, is, is an eternal thing. I mean, it's one thing that we have in, in this world that transcends uh, time. You know, you, you can see that, you know, our loved ones pass and there's still that love that remains. Um, love is an eternal power. And uh, I don't take it lightly. I, um, if I, if I love someone, I, I, I consider them um, some uh, person that would be important in my life. And I, I don't uh, view people as uh, disposable. And if there's any problems that we have that may need to be worked out, I generally like to work through those. And so um, we've we've been together for uh, a very long time, and our, our relationship has been a, a great ride. And a, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. So, what were some of those uh, books? that you read that uh, helped your transition? One of the best books that I read um, uh, was a book. Um, this, this book was, uh, well, I, I'm going to say more than two, which I didn't read during my uh, tra- transition, but there was a book called Opening Up by uh, Tristan Terramino. 
Um, and this book, um, it's, it's just a book on, on open relationships and how to open up a relationship and the things that you need to do. Um, what we did, though, and, and I found that um, in because uh, what I do in Black and Poly is we coach a lot of folks transitioning. What, what I recommend for those people that are transitioning is that they read this book as a like a step-by-step guide. What we did, and it took us almost a year to get through this book, um, is that we read maybe a chapter or two, and then her and I would have a discussion. And in those discussions, sometimes they would be pretty heated. Um, and they needed maybe a week or a couple weeks, sometimes even a month, to just process the things that we brought to the surface. And from there, um, then we would go on and we would read the next chapter and uh, so on and so forth until the book was done. So that book really helped. By the time we got done with that book, we were pretty much ready um, to deal with a lot of the things that came with polyamory. A lot of people think that uh, polyamory is just uh, two people coming together that love each other or whatever, and they're going to add one. But um, that's hardly the case, and, I, and this is where uh, um, the challenges come in, and this is where black and poly, this is part of why we do what we do, because a lot of people think uh, – oh, it's just me and my wife, we love each other dearly, and we're going to add somebody. And um, the reality is you, you can't do that it, it, because what happens is um, whenever someone else comes into the picture, the relationship that you have with your significant other is no more. It is redefined. And so um, thinking that you can just keep the relationship the same and add someone else, it's just uh, it, it's not realistic. Um, so what you have to do is um, um, a lot of people think that's the first step, but the first step really is becoming polyamorous first. So um, this idea that okay, I'm polyamorous. I think I'm polyamorous. I think I'm gonna. I, what I want is a triad, or what I want is to date two women. You know, and and it's kind of the bad way to go about entering into this love style. What you might want to do is um, follow uh, the definition of polyamory, the part where it says acceptance. And and I say that because um, a lot of people that come into polyamory, that's their struggle. They can't accept the fact that their lovers are dating other people, but yet and still they want to date other people. And that's not ethical. So the thing is, and this is one of the reasons why I sat back, is because I wanted to um, accept. Uh, um, you have a lot of uh, polyamorous people in our community that don't date more than one person, but they still, by definition, are still polyamorous because they accept that their lovers date other people, but they, by choice, want to date one person. Okay, so if I understand you correctly, I would be considered polyamorous if I accept my partner dating other people. Yeah, yeah. You would be considered polyamorous. And and I, I hope this talk that we have kind of pulls back the curtain on what polyamory really is because most people um, that, that are looking on the outside, from the outside, and, and they do this by sometimes getting a glimpse and talk shows and, and interviews and, and TV shows and movies that are kind of giving everybody a glimpse of what polyamory is, they think it's this sexual exploration. But really it's not. Um, what it is is um, it, it, it's uh, 
what, what you'll find is that you learn more about yourself. And, um, and also um, your capacity to love and, and, and let go. So, um, yeah, you would, you would be, if, if you could accept that your lovers have other lovers, then, yeah, you would be polyamorous. Okay. I would um, recommend that you... folks that are coming into polyamory do that, too. I think that's the first step. Not adding another person, but becoming polyamorous yourself. Learning how to do it ethically. Accepting, if, if I was to give an, an instructional, I would tell a new person um, to date a polyamorous person. If, if they were single, I would say date a polyamorous person and don't date anybody else. And, and, and fall in love with that polyamorous person and allow them to live their polyamorous life while you learn to accept that other people, uh, that polyamorous people date other people. That would be the transition. Okay. I know I can't have it that way, but that would be the transition. And okay. then date um, other people. Okay. So what? What would be? What would you consider your first exposure to polyamory? Was it that time with your wife when when she brought it up, or did you did you have any other exposures before her? No, actually, um, my first exposure to polyamory was the mid to late 90s um, with uh, some of the news groups that were out, really. Um, I, I, was, uh, I was working in an electronics uh, company in a Silicon, Silicon Valley, and, um, and this is back when, like, the Internet was, like, fairly new. And, um, you know, a lot of times on our downtime, we, we just sat around and did searches and things like that. And I had come across uh, the word polyamory from there. And then I think I saw a talk show like Montel or something like that that really gave me my first glimpse of what it was. And um, I I did identify with that because, um, you know, I I was always kind of, um, I I say, imbued with this uh, capacity to love more than one person. Um, it was just uh, innate in me. I, you know, um, some people think I, I chose polyamory, but really I think um, I chose monogamy. I was pretty much born uh, with the capacity to love more than one person. So, I, I, you know, I think in my, through social conditioning and other things, I chose monogamy because that was the norm. Okay, and and when and when you ran across polyamory on on uh, the sites with month uh, with the show and everything, was it something that was uh, displayed as something positive that was possible, or was it shown as something that was controversial and maybe negative? I, I think uh, the early talk shows that that a lot of polyamorous people went on, they 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 made them out to be kind of like a freak show. It was like a circus. And um, there was a lot of uh, humiliation and shame. And, you know, my my heart goes out to those people that, um, you know, made those first steps because um, it was very, uh, it was a very ugly thing to see. Okay. Uh, Well, um, I've been to one meetup here in the Atlanta area 
and uh, mm-hmm. it was an eye-opening experience. And what I learned, one of the things that I learned is that there are a lot of um, terms that I wasn't used to. So within the poly circle, what are some terms that you might um, hear or that you can share with someone that's never heard about this before? Um, well, I, I think everybody by now knows what a triad is. That's like three, you know, most of the time uh, they, they think it's two women and one man. Um, and and um, that, 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 um, that's always like the step one, but um, there's other terms too. There's quads, you know, with four partners. Um, there's also polycule, which would be like a network of poly people. Um, but I think, uh, let's see, there's, there's also, um, I guess the term NRE would be new relationship uh, energy, or some people say new relationship uh, excitement or whatever. Um, it, it uh, that, that would be, I, I think to me, that's kind of groundbreaking for, um, for our, uh, our community too, because we don't associate um, meeting a new lover with uh, being in love. That's just a, a, a jumble of uh, emotions and a, a chemical reaction. You know, you have serotonin and um, endorphins and the, all of the other love chemicals that are associated with being love, um, most polys or a uh, majority will call that NRE. Um, it's when you meet a new partner, um, you know, there's this excitement around um, them and all of the things that they are, you know, they're new. It's a, like a shiny new car, you know, um, you're going to feel uh, a rush every time you're with them. Um, and, and if you break it down to, um, the way humans mate, um, this is just to facilitate uh, um, childbirth. You know, that's just just what humans do. Uh, when we meet someone, um, we kind of have to be drugged up to um, make another child. I mean, we, we none of us would do it in our right minds. <laughs> so uh, we we experience NRE, and that usually lasts anywhere from uh, they say six to nine months to about two years. Um, and this is just, this is not anything that's found in polyamory. This is just in general. Um, and beyond that, we go through what they call a nesting phase. A nesting phase can um, be from, uh, you know, two years to about seven. And then after that, uh, it's just a, a natural love type of thing or, or, or friendship or family type of thing. Um, a lot of couples, and I, I've done that. I'm a long NRE type person. Um, I, I've, you know, I, it, it comes and it goes in some, in some places, but for the most part, it still lingers for me. Um, some people, uh, and, I, and I say this especially in monogamy, um, they go out of their NRE stage and they say, I just don't love this person no more. Or they, they look to their partner and they say, our love is, is um, waning or it's just um, something's not right. Do something. And, um, you know, the reality is that uh, it's just a chemical thing. You can't stay high that long. I mean, it's just not natural to do that, you know, to expect your relationship to be like that all the time. And so um, you have to allow for your relationship to have its breaks and its peaks and its valleys. And so, so it's um, not necessary. Go ahead. 
I'm sorry, I was going to say, so it's not necessarily a question of, let's say, the woman spicing things up by wearing sexy lingerie. It's not, it's not, it's not the man doing the things that he used to do. This is uh, more like natural, if you will. It kind of just kind of comes with the territory, this, this uh, new relationship energy. Yeah, I mean, you have to accept that, that that's the case. I'm not saying that you can't do things to spice it up. I think that's great. But um, to associate love with being NRE, I think it has its, um, it has its hazards. Uh, it would be like you met someone at work and they kind of just really just uh, sparked your, your flame. You know, it just really got you going. Um, you know, a lot of times in monogamy, they, um, you might associate that with, okay, well, you know, I got a girlfriend or I'm married. Why am I thinking about this person all the time? Why do I want to see this person all the time? Well, I must not love my wife anymore, or I must not love my girlfriend anymore. Well, that's bullshit. You love her. You've been with her for X amount of years. Why wouldn't you not love her? Uh, something happened to you, and if you're monogamous or if you're, uh, you know, um, identifying with being monogamous, then um, what you might want to do is do things to um, – I guess I don't do this, but do things to suppress that new relationship energy. Um, maybe you're spending too much intimate time alone with that person. Uh, if you're at work, maybe you guys are talking on, uh, in meetings alone, or you may be uh, going on lunch breaks or things like that, and maybe you might not want to do that, and maybe you might want to focus on something else because, um, you know, um, you're going to start to question the love that you have in, in your current relationship. And um, I don't think there's any reason why you should be questioning it, uh, your love for the person you've been with for a number of years. But um, the reality is um, we, we somehow do this even though uh, humans have this ability to love more than one person. Um, we, we suppress... Uh, certain types of intimate connections, um, but yet and still we can have uh, five kids. And if you have like six, nobody says that's not enough love to go around or, or you know, you don't just get rid of that six kid because uh, there's not enough love or, or you have two sisters and you got to, uh, you know, you love one more than the other. We don't measure love like that when it comes to familial love. We, um, we, we assume that uh, all love is different. I might have, you know, two sisters, and I love them both differently. And that's the same, I think, well, for, for polyamory, we, uh, we see that love can come in all forms. And um, nobody compares to my wife, and nobody compares to my significant others. So okay. um, they're all different. Um have you have you studied like any history of polyamory as far as individuals or cultures are concerned? Uh, yeah, I've, I've done my reading and I've and and I've I've uh, looked at the history of um, multiple partnering. Uh, you know, I, I do know that um, you know if you were to line every human up on this earth that uh, have ever lived from the beginning of time you'll find that um, I think it's like in the 80 percentile that, that would be upper 80 percentile that would be non-monogamous. 
So um, this monogamous paradigm that we're experiencing right now is just but a short blip. Um, humans have uh, been non-monogamous since the beginning. Um, I guess the only difference is that um, women uh, in, in general haven't had that option uh, for such a long time. Okay, well, we, we now have our first caller, so let's go ahead and uh, see who it is and uh, hear what they have to say. 713, you're on the Haitian Free Thinkers hey, Radio Show. Hey, Reggie, this is Bobby calling. I have to call in because I want to ask the, the, the actual the speaker. In polyamory, do you think there's one person who loses out who feels like left less, feels like they're less than or left out, and they and they actually participate just to fit in instead of just saying that they want to do that. Because sometimes in 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 those type of relationships, I'm not I'm not I've never been involved in it, but I have had mm-hmm. a friend who was involved in it, and actually she she did it in order to keep the man. She didn't do it because she wanted to, but she didn't want to lose him. That's very common. Uh, that's very 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 common um, in in the polyamorous community. It's a, it's a, um. It's a it's a sad and tragic thing too, when um, when individuals do this as a way to uh, hold on to uh, a lover who's um, um, exploring polyamory or is polyamorous. Um, it you, we know it happens when you try to change yourself to fit into someone else's paradigm. It's just not a healthy thing. You lose yourself, and. Um, in the end, it, it's it's just bad for all parties. There's okay. something that you you know there are there are people that um, identify with being monogamous, um, that are um, that um, date polyamorous people. Uh, um, my uh, my other significant other is actually she identifies with being monogamous. Um, so it's not a, um, but it, it has to do with. Uh, yourself and, and what you're willing to uh, tolerate. Now, do you think that humans are able to be monogamous? Oh, I mean, based on what your experience has been, do you think that humans are able to be monogamous? Are, are they conditioned to be monogamous? I think I think there's a lot of humans that are, are, are monogamous. I think, um, but uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of humans that are monogamous, and I think that there's some that are um um, conditioned to be monogamous, but um, um, the form of monogamy um, that we practice in this world right now, it's, it's like a serial monogamy, you know, um, it, it's something that I, I, I don't even think occurs too often in nature. Um, you know, a, an animal that uh, we would identify with being monogamous, that animal um, never, uh, once, once his mate, uh, he, he only mates or she only mates with one partner for their entire lives. If that partner dies or they lose contact with that partner, um, then um, they so does their desire to mate. Humans don't do that. They date multiple partners. Um, that's what, um, so I, I say we do some type, we engage in some type of serial monogamy. Um, You'll see in the polyamorous community, though, and, and this is one of the things, I, and, and this is why I say I wanted to pull back the curtain on some of the stigmas that uh, associates with polyamory. I, I've had friends that um, 
they're serial monogamous. As uh, soon as the NRE dies, they're on to the next person. They're on to the next man or they're on to the next woman. And, and a lot of the ones that I've come up with, they've had th 30 and 40 partners during the course of their lifetime. Some of them probably even more that they don't care to tell me about. Um, I've seen pretty common with, um, with non-monogamous or polyamorous people, they may have like two or three partners for their whole entire lives. It's just that they've never gotten rid of either one. And they, 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 they're with them concurrently. So the stigma that uh, polyamorous people are um, these sex-crazed, uh, you know, multiple partners swapping people, it's just not the truth. And I, mean, I, I, I do understand that. And, and, and me, is, I think I have a monogamous mindset. So and the mm -hmm. thing that I want to say, and first of all, I'm gay. I'm, I just want to let you know this. Bottom uh -huh. line, so you might not identify with that, but when I but the thing is, I I think that I don't see people loving multiple people because I'm not able to love only. I, I'm only able to love one person at a time. I can give you yeah, all yeah. or nothing. That's the type yeah, of person yeah. I am. It's not based mm -hmm. on on the social construct that I've been submitted to. I mean, uh, yeah. objected to. It's just how I feel. Exactly. Yeah. I might can screw somebody, but I don't love that person. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, there's in this world. I mean, we have all kinds of different people. Um, there, there are some people, um, and and in in different walks of life, um, they just the, their definition of love is just different from ours. Um, okay. And and they live differently. Uh, one of them, which is really common, is um, out of China. There's this tribe called the Mosuo tribe. Um, the way they structure their lives is though it's a matriarchal society where the women um, own all the property. Um, they, they live in this, these homes where um, facing the streets are these flower rooms. And when a girl comes of age, she takes a room. Um, the boys in the house, when the sun goes down, they have to leave. And when mm -hmm. they leave, it, it doesn't matter where they go, but they just can't come home until the sun comes up. And um, the girls in the flower room, they choose. Uh, they can. They call what they call them walking marriages. They can uh, select a partner or, or whoever knocks on the door. That that might be their husband. Um, and some of them have more than one husband in one night. Hmm. And all of the children uh, that that come out of these um, walking marriages, the fathers. Uh, there's no concept of what a father even is. Um, the fathers all stay with their mothers, and they take care of their nieces and nephews. Mm. And so um, when, a, when a girl is pregnant, um, it, it's a happy occasion, and the mother um, and the uncles um, welcome that child into the world, and that child has no knowledge of what a father is. And, 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 the, and the amazing thing is, in this society, there are no orphanages. There's no um, foster kids. All of these kids have families. You see a parallel, though? With, uh, <laughs> I, I, I see kind of what you're saying. Do you see a parallel, though? Yeah, yeah. And so what, I, I bring that up because I think in our community, we have, we have quite a bit of that going on, but our outlook on how things are um, determines how we uh, react to them. To them, that's normal life. 
and, and those kids and the husbands and the wives and the moms, they're very happy. And to them, that's what love is. I just, I just think uh-huh. that one thing about the, the, the thing that I hold on to more than anything else is I had two parents. I had a dad who I, can, who knew, who I knew was my dad, who mm-hmm. I could fall back on through all, and I just knew that he was my father. And I think that he was my structure that I actually ran to when I had issues. It wasn't my mother, it was my dad that I ran to. Mm-hmm. And he was a person that I told about what I felt and who I was. And just yeah. knowing that he, that was my biological father, I felt that connection with my father that I could do that. And in this atmosphere, I mean, based on what you told, what you're telling me, is I don't know who the hell my dad is. He could be whoever. But it would, yeah, and it, but it wouldn't matter to you because you would probably be raised by your uncles. And, and in that society, the uncles stay home and they watch the kids. Okay, and I understand. I mean, this is something that's new to me. I'm not judging at all. Yeah. No, no judgment at all. <laughs> I, this is something that's totally new. I guess what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say, though, is that there's many, uh, there's a whole lot of ways under the sun for us to live our lives that do work, and we do have options. And, and we I don't def- have you know to what, being a gay man, I definitely understand what you're saying because we don't fall into the hegemony of what, what society says we have to be. I definitely agree with you, and I'm, I'm not judging you at all. I'm just really trying yeah, to get knowledge. Yeah. So just to let uh-huh. you know, I'm not judging you at all. Whatever oh, you no, do. I, I know that. Yeah, okay, okay, well, just as long as you understand that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bobby. So um, thank you for calling, and uh, okay, please okay, continue then. to listen. Okay, thank you. All right, so that was our good friend Bobby. Uh, if you are listening out there, you wish to call in into the show, the guest calling number is 657-383-1619. Once again, that's Six five seven three eight three one six one nine. Please be aware that there is like a half a second delay. So uh, when one person is talking, the other person might bump into you. So just let them uh, complete their thought, and uh, we'll continue. So um, I did um, see some stuff on that tribe in China. So I know about them. I actually started to listen to the audio book of. Um, the Ethical Slut, I think it was. Oh, great book, yeah. Um, and there was this this, uh, this other book about the, the history of sexuality, and it was so interesting about how other things influence our decisions and how um, marriage and property rights influence the things that we do. I think that a lot of people are just so unaware of, of the influences that came um, and, and are still acting upon us today. So I thought that was so interesting. Um, I have to go back yeah. and start the book all over because I didn't finish it. But mm-hmm. um, there's there's more than the Mosul tribe in China that are doing things a little bit different. So, yeah. Um, but the, 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 the popular template for how relationships um, are promoted is still the monogamous um, version, whether it's in marriage or outside of marriage, even though people tend to like cheat and everything. So my question to you is, if everybody knows that humans tend to have the desire to go see other people, 
why do you think this model still persists today? Why, uh, why does the monogamous model persist? Yes. I think it has something to do with um, um, just just the conditioning, movies, TV, songs, you know, um, that uh, it, it just, it's, and I think that, it, especially in my case, I mean, I just didn't think there was another option. Um, I knew that I had this capacity to love more than one person. I, I knew I, I had the ability to allow those that I, I love to um, be free with their love and not um, bound them up in any way. Um, but I just didn't know that um, there was another option. And it's just like everything else. I mean, we, uh, we're we born to uh, conditioning. Uh, it's not a bad thing. It, it um, We have to have these rules and these lessons that uh, govern whatever choices that we do just to um, – because they, they tell us um, – there are these indicators that say, okay, well, if you're going to be monogamous, this might be the route for you. Uh, and we learn this even as a child, you know, through uh, nursery rhymes and little stories and Disney movies and these things. And um, they work for uh, whatever purpose they're serving. Um, and this is why uh, when people come into polyamory, they'll say, I don't think I need a book to determine what I'm, you know, how I'm to do polyamory. But I think in, in reality, you do. Um, you need to understand with from people that have traveled this this path. Um, what are the, what are the dangers? What are the things that you should be doing? What way, what ways you may want to look at things that that are um, uh, probably more um, uh, constructive or, or you know more successful um, because. The reality is you have no um, frame of reference. All you've seen was monogamy. So those stories and, and, and those ba- the background, you're missing. So you need to um, watch non-monogamous movies. You need to um, uh, hang out with non-monogamous people. You need to um, look at um, examples of great non-monogamy that works. You need to read books. You need to educate yourself before you decide to enter into something that you know nothing about. Okay. Now we talked about what polyamory is, so let's talk about what polyamory isn't, because we just want to clarify to people so that there's no confusion. What 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 polyamory is not? Polyamory isn't. Uh, it isn't swinging. Um, swinging is an activity. Um, polyamory is um, what you would call a, a love style or, or a relationship orientation um, that's unlike uh, monogamy. It, it's being like, like, like if, as if you were gay or straight or bi, um, you would be poly instead of mono. You would be polyamorous. Um, uh, and, I, and I guess I emphasize the swinging because a lot of people associate polyamory with swinging activity. And it's not to say that polyamorous people don't swing, but then again, monogamous people, there are some people that um, still identify with being monogamous that uh, are swingers. So to, uh, you know, tie that into polyamory, it just wouldn't make sense. Um, so, yeah, that that would be one of the things polyamory isn't. Um, Polyamory isn't 
uh, I think I mentioned that before, it's not triads. Uh, some people going into polyamory, they they go in leading with the uh, leading with the um, relationship dynamic that they want. Um, sometimes you you can enter into a, a, um, hard, uh, tough situations holding on to something that you think you want. Um, but I, I think it's best to uh, just allow love to flow through your life and uh, embrace it as it comes instead of trying to fit okay. into a box. Okay. Um, how, is, how is the uh, reception of, of your choice with your family, with your immediate family? How did they receive that? Well, you know, it was a mixed bag. Um, my, my immediate family... They've always uh, seen me to. They've always viewed me as a, a kind of a, I guess a trailblazer. I, I do different things. I, I'm just not. I don't really go with the norm, and so you know, for them that was not um, an odd thing for them to know of me to be that way. Um, most of my immediate family uh, are, are very active. Um, I, I have uh I have four kids, two of which identify as polyamorous. Um they, I have a father in law, I think he was very uh instrumental in my uh transitioning into polyamory. Uh he's a member of uh black and poly and so are my uh, two kids that uh, are polyamorous. So um we we we're very involved and, and active in the community. Okay. To which so I want to say, too, is a great community, <laughs> very present in what they do. They're really, really active, the whole community, and I love them dearly. Yes. Yes, they are. They're very, very wonderful people. Um, what about the reception in um, black culture in general? Um, the the reception that I've seen in black culture, I think it's, it's a fear a lot of times, and I think it's just, based on some of their uh, maybe Judeo-Christianic beliefs and that were brought over uh, by slavery, I guess. Um, I, and, and I say that because uh, I've been all over the world. I've seen uh, different versions of Christianity in different places. There is no form of Christianity that is like the one that we have in America. Um, oh, it's just okay. that we just practice it different. So uh, um, a lot of the things that they're holding on to are specific to this time and this place, um, you know, because if they were born in a different time and in a different place, I would say the majority of those people wouldn't be Christian at all. Uh, so they're just a subject of uh, what their environment has uh, brought upon them. And uh, a lot of them hold on to this because it's um, – and I'm not saying everybody. I'm saying they're, they're you know, devout Christians and they're great. Um, there are some people that aren't, uh, I'd say they're not even practicing Christianity. It's almost like a a, a, a superstition. Uh, you know, Native okay. Americans had a thing where uh, they say your religion is what you do every day. And this is one of the reasons they had it so many hard, they had such a hard time with the missionaries trying to convert them into being Christians was because uh, they said, you know, I fish every day. So 
that's my God. I mean, obviously, I, that's what I do every day. Or I make baskets. That's my, that's my God. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And then this missionary saying, oh, no, your God is this person that you pray to when you go on Sunday. This is, that's your God. They just couldn't wrap their heads around that because what you do every day, your daily practice, that's your religion. And so um, it seems to me, and this is just the experience that I've had with polyamory, those people that, um, that really bucked the idea of polyamory when I brought, that, brought it to them that I was, these are people that would immediately grab onto their cross as if it was like this superstitious thing. But their actions never showed that they were Christian. They, uh, they cheated. They lied. They did all of these things that, to me, was not Christian at all. But when I brought up polyamory, all of a sudden now they're holding on to Jesus. But what okay. was their daily practice? I, I you know, I, I was hard pressed to find Christianity in that. Well, you uh, know, and that's just my. You know, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that, you know, as a as a secular person, um, I was a Christian for a few years. Um, I grew up in the Christian background. Um, you know, I was just, I found out because I actually took the time to read the Bible that, like you said, what we have here is a modern type of Christianity that is mostly based on uh, the culture, and they don't really mm-hmm. follow um the the teachings of their book, especially the bad parts. Um but yeah. when it comes to polygamy, uh which is I would say different from what you've described because it involves actual marriage, um, there's plenty of that in, in the Bible. Um yeah. it was yeah. a little bit more prevalent it was a little bit more prevalent in uh the Jewish Bible than it is mentioned in the uh than the Christian Bible, but uh, it's there if you want to take advantage of it. And I know that some some denominations have taken advantage of it, uh, namely the Mormons were, were, were got a lot of flack for wanting to practice polygamy. Um, but the uh, the powers that be were to kind of ostracize uh, those those people, and also I know in Islam. It is uh, granted that men can have up to four wives, even though the Prophet Muhammad had, I think, nine wives, but that's a whole different topic right there. So mm-hmm. religiously speaking, um, with the the more popular religions uh, for America, this is not something that's uh, new to them, but yet they kind of cleave to this, I would say, mythical notion that starting with Adam and Eve, it was supposed to be one man and one woman, yeah. uh, where I personally believe that if Adam had multiple females available to him, he would basically, quote-unquote, marry both of them or all of them. So, Yeah. That's, a that's lot of them, I think what they... Yeah, I think a lot of them take that from... I'm a son of a deacon, so I was raised, <laughs> I was raised pretty uh, heavy in, in Christianity, too. Um, but I think a lot of them take... Uh, that from um, the, the Apostle Paul, who um, who uh, 
you know, he it was a recommendation. A lot of them see that as a, as, as a commandment, but this was the Apostle Paul who, who said one man and one wife. And he said this, and, he, and if you look at the scripture, it, it actually says as a recommendation. But he also recommends that if you haven't been married, to not marry. You don't see people practicing that either. He said if you come to the Lord and you haven't been married, do not marry. He also, and he also says um, those that are uh, let the uncircumcised remain uncircumcised, then let the circumcised remain circumcised. So, um I look at that and I say, uh, I was born with the capacity to love more than one person. And uh, from there, um, that would be me. Uh, So I would be um, remaining who I am. Uh, I don't know how other people have come to this earth. I can only speak for myself. And um, this is how God made me, and I celebrate it. Okay. I I thought there was, that it was uh, pretty interesting that. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll ramble. <laughs> no, no, I, I complete that thought and then I'll, I'll I'll ask you another question. Yeah, I was saying uh, there was a scripture I think it was like he, where God told David if he wasn't satisfied with his many wives and concubines that he was always able to have more. And uh, I think he had something like uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines. You know, God's most beloved people, when, whenever he, they did something, in, uh, you know, that, that brought him uh, happiness or whatever, he rewarded them with wives. Um, so, I, I, you know, it, it, it's a common thing. You hear a lot of uh, people in uh, polyamory, they say, <laughs> traditional marriages between, uh, according to God, is between one man and a thousand women. <laughs> and, and, and it seems, uh, you know, that that's the case when you look at the Bible. Not that I'm a Christian or that I follow any of this stuff, but um, uh, I, I can say that in my community, in the black and poly community, you have to address this because uh, we're, we're steeply rooted in, uh, you know, this faith. So, so would you would you characterize yourself and maybe uh, the group in general as mostly secular people? That's that's an interesting thing for me because me I'm I'm into the uh, secular world and and promoting that perspective in the Asian community. How 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 does that apply? Um, I I, I can't say that. I say a lot of them may have left, um, and then I see some that actually leave, and I, I think. The reason that they do, I think some of them that that do, um, they they start out Christian and um, you you enter into uh, once you transition into polyamory and you might um, have uh, you know uh, a couple of significant others that you genuinely love. This isn't a sexual arrangement. These are people that you love. Then it calls a question um, that uh, in your relig- in your religion, I'm not talking about the Bible, but in your religion. Uh, there are people that are saying that that love is invalid or, or that love is uh, sexually based. And um, um, once kids are involved and family is involved and, and all of these things, um, you're, uh, they're telling you that, the, that what you're doing is an abomination. Uh, loving someone else when everybody else is happy and, um, and there's no... Um, 
there is no harm being done, and um, you're telling this person they can't bring their um, husband and their other significant other to church with their four kids, uh, it, it starts. It makes you start to question um, the type of Christianity that you're following. Um, I'm not saying you would leave Christianity, but you would certainly leave a church that um, told you uh, that what you were doing wasn't real, that the love that you had for those people was invalid. Um, I also find it um, very interesting that you said that it was your wife that brought the notion to you all those years back. Um, I was of the opinion that women would be the most uh, opposed to polyamory. What has been your experience with women wanting it, um, wanting to share that experience, and and how how does that how how has that been received? Like, what's been your experience with women? Um, I think I think uh, I think the 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 big hurdle. I, I think what happens with a lot of men, they come, they think about uh, multiple women, and they get excited, right? They oh cool. But they, uh, when they realize that polyamory is a feminist, a feminist movement or, or, or is more rooted in feminism, um, and it's about um, uh, freedom for everybody and, and um, equality, um, they begin to struggle with that. And I think why is because um, uh, we've been taught, and this is something that, that – um, polyamorous people reject uh, mostly. Um, we've been taught that uh, everything virtuous and good and pure um, in a woman is found between her legs. Um, we were taught that uh, all that is virtuous and pure and great in a man is found in between his head and is found in his hands. Um, and um, this, this, this uh, objectification happens both ways. Um, and I, I think what happens in polyamory is we start to reject that. Um, you, uh, uh, the idea that uh, a woman is a slut or a whore or a bitch or a tramp or a skank, all of these types of things uh, I, I found in the polyamorous community, you just don't see this language being used. It's divisive. It's controlling. And um, even even uh, with a with a man, you know, um, some of the the uh, male uh, uh, gender role things that uh, you see in the monogamous community that um, are generally adhered to um, are kind of um, let go of, you know, um, and we start to see each other as equals uh, without the. Uh, slut shaming and 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 uh all of those things that happen or even the objectification of men being these providers um because e eventually um we we you know what happens i think and i'm again i'm not slamming monogamy i'm just saying that uh these are some of the things that have come over from monogamy and and some of the things that i just didn't like um that uh, I, I was kind of released from coming into polyamory, and it's uh, um, the this thing where we view each other as needs meeting machines. 
And uh, once those needs aren't being met, then instantly we're discarded of. Oh, this person didn't do this or that for me, or this person used to do this and they don't do that for me anymore, or they can't. Uh, you know, they could be, uh, you know, it could be health issues. It could be, uh, you know, they could have just had an injury or, or whatever the case may be, but this person isn't meeting my needs, so now I have to uh, dispose of them. And uh, you, don't, you just don't see that too often in polyamory. We do have situations where people transition in and out of relationships, but, again, even in those, um, a lot of times they come back and it's not, um, it's not a breakup, and they have to call it a transition because it's just much different than a breakup. Uh, breakups are so emotionally violent um, and sometimes physically violent. Uh, and polyamory, uh, we, don't, we, we tend to not have that, uh, and I think it has something to do with a lot of times also overcoming jealousy, um, or uh, dealing with um, or, or embracing what we call compersion. That was a word that um, was kind of came about in the polyamorous community. We almost had to uh, invent a new word because there was no word in the English dictionary for the opposite of jealousy. I would liken that to um, if you you know watching someone on a roller coaster ride. And you're not on the ride, but, but you're just as happy or maybe even more happy for them when they go by. Um, in polyamory, that's, that's a, a state that uh, a lot of people want to come to uh, when um, the thought of their lover being with someone else. Um, they want to view it as a, it's almost like you meet someone new and they excite you and they make you happy and um, you're excited about them. It's almost like... Um, someone uh, letting you know that they found a new job or they got a new car, um, you get just as happy for that lover for them because their happiness comes back to you. And so um, if there was a situation that you had to transition out of that relationship with them, um, you've overcome all of these things. And so for you, it would be just like for me. I've been with my wife for 20-something years. Um, I don't, uh, anybody that she's dating, I don't fear that she'll leave them for me. In fact, um, for her, um, because she's polyamorous, she wouldn't want anybody to ask her to do that because um, she's polyamorous. So she doesn't uh, want to mono up with anybody. She, she would like to allow for her love and her intimacy to be free. And that is for her to decide whether she wants to uh, be with someone or not be with someone. So she embraces her freedom. And so to go back to uh, some type of form of, uh, you know, uh, being controlled, uh, she would never want to do. But if she did, uh, I, I would say that would be some hell of an individual because her and I have had a, a great time. We've had a lot of years together. And if that person floated her boats in such a way where she said, Ron, even though you and I are happy together and we're having a great time, I don't think I, 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 don't think I want to be with you anymore because this person wants to be with me and he doesn't want you, me to be with anybody else. If she came to me with that, I, I am my compersion because I, I, I know um, all of the things that we've done and all of what we've been. Uh, there's something happening there that's, that's just really special. Um, 
And I would hate for her to miss out. We only live on this earth one time as we know it. I would hate for her to miss out on that opportunity because that's a, that would be something that she would hold, hold resentment for me for, and it would be something that I would feel bad for her to miss out on. Uh, I would have to accept the fact that our lives are, uh, are the chapter of this life that we have together is coming to an end. And the only thing that I would be hurt by is if she didn't invite me to the wedding. <laughs> Shit, I would like to be in the wedding. <laughs> but what? if I couldn't have that, <laughs> if I couldn't have that, wow. you know, I'd like to give her away. It, it's a celebration. You go into a, a better chapter in your life. And I shouldn't be hurt by that. Well, I probably would. I, I would have a little bit of a sadness, you know, but the thing is, it, this, it, uh, this is something she's going on to that's bigger and better. And uh, there shouldn't be any, there should be a celebration. And that's just, but that's, again, that's just the way I view things. And that's just the way her and I view things. Well, I think that's definitely, um, that's, it, it takes a lot of strength to me to um, to to have that, What's the word? Compersion. Com- com- compersion. How do you spell that? C-O-M-P-E-R-S-I-O-N. All right. Because I am taking notes as we go along. But uh, that's a wonderful way to approach things. And um, that's I, I, want, I want to get to that level. I really do. Because I can definitely I understand how you can see that because I think that that means that you really do love the person in such a way that it's not like a selfish um, a selfish thing because with my exposure to polyamory myself I've had to ask myself some hard questions like do I do I control my my wife's sexuality am I the owner of it do I own her body uh, does she own mine um, I've thought about my children you know like uh, I'm bringing some yeah. of the same baggage that you know was dumped on me and it's not easy for me to kind of retool my mind to be a little bit more um i guess accepting of, of different things and being liberal even though i myself find think that i'm i'm a pretty chill kind of guy you know so yeah um but, I, I think uh, um yeah. I think a lot of it comes from, uh, you know, us having uh, jealousy and insecurity. And um, it goes down, it comes down to um, deconstructing those emotions because they're not just one. Uh, and then some people will associate being jealous, like I'm a jealous person, you know, and, and um, being a jealous person, that's not a, uh, that's not a um, personality trait. Uh, being jealous is, is a fleeting emotion. It comes and goes. And um, when you're able to deconstruct um, and and break down what's causing that emotion, then you can work with it. And um, you know that's what we, you know, like to talk about. We we talk about a lot in polyamory is emotional maturity. Um, it, it it's a it's a manageable emotion, uh, or jumble of emotions. Um, if you can look at it as, um, it's just like um, anger. We uh, as as, as children, if no one um, taught us how to manage our anger, and we just decided we don't ever want to feel anger, we just want to uh, never be angry again, this would be a horrible world to live in because whenever we felt it, uh, we would act and, uh, you know, as you can see with some people, 
we would act in these uh, violent ways. But we're taught um, just because you're angry doesn't give you the right to um, hurt someone or kill someone or, you know, do ugly things. We're taught to deconstruct that emotion and accept that that's a part of life. We're going to feel angry sometimes. But what happens, I think, in the society we live in, um, the onus of uh, jealousy always goes back to the partner. That person made me feel jealous. And I'm not supposed to feel jealous at all. Um, I think what we learn in polyamory is that we have to accept that we will feel jealous and that we have to manage those emotions. Um, and what happens um, with new people coming into polyamory, they haven't dealt with that emotion in I don't know how long. And so the first time they feel it, it's like a panic. You know? And in some even thinking about it, they, they uh, have this um, you know, you know, anger or, or, or these emotions, these intense emotions just well up, even if they're not even experiencing jealousy, the thought of it. But I, I think it, what happens is they haven't accepted uh, jealousy and dealt with it. Um, you may think about your lover going on a date and um, may feel like a, a fear of abandonment. And, and you have to realize, um, did you feel abandoned when she went to work? Or, or did you feel lonely when she went to work? No. So why are you feeling lonely now? Well, it's because I'm feeling like uh, this. Uh, she's uh, going to uh, break up with me after the date. Well, what would that be like if she broke up with you? Well, I would be alone because her friends are my friends. Well, um, maybe your fear is that you'll be losing a lot of friends, including her. So maybe your social life needs to be uh, worked on. Maybe you need to join a bowling league, or maybe you need to go golfing or, or take up a dance class or go back to school or something like that. And then you start to realize that really that was your case, that you just didn't have a life outside of her. And once you start to uh, work that side of things, you start to realize that the jealousy goes away and uh, you don't project your fears back up on your partner, which can be very dangerous. I think I think that is very true, and I think um, an extreme version of the dangerous aspect of jealousy um, is the honor killing. Um, I was going somewhere. I was going to an appointment this morning, and that was a, a documentary that that um, happened to be shown tonight on HBO called "A Girl in the River" or something like that, or "Girl by the River." where there was a mm-hmm. Pakistani um, young lady who eloped with a young man, um, and then her father and her uncle caught her, and they shot her, and they left her for dead um, uh, because uh, they didn't want her to marry the young guy because he was of a lower status, um, and uh, and they wanted her to marry somebody else. Now, this may not be 100% dealing with jealousy or whatever, but if we had a, a, a more positive outlook on how we deal with people and their choices with lovers, et cetera, and if we manage mm-hmm. our passions accordingly, those kind of things wouldn't happen. Um, so I think what you're, what, what you're talking about is very important and uh, very doable, and uh, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and uh, do our best to manage those things because it could it could go very very quickly so yes yeah 
I think a lot um, of that comes see. from uh, your description too. For um, has to do with a lot, a lot of shame too. Um, we put that uh, in our culture a lot of times on women. You know, like I was saying, all that's virtuous and, and pure is a fountain between their legs. And when that's uh, when we uh, and when they step outside of that paradigm, um, shame brings them back. Um, there's a there was a I think I forgot what country this was in where they were the women that were victims of rape were um, buried in unmarked graves uh, because they were killed by uh, their families because their families couldn't right. bear the shame of them being raped. Um, so, so, you know, so it's what an is extreme it about version. Fem- what is it about the female sexuality that, that people, and, and I'm, I'm talking about even even females participate in this violence towards their, their own kind, what is it about the female sexuality that people feel such a need to control and, and harm like that? Because to me, that's very strange because we have fathers killing daughters. I mean, this is your closest female kinsman. And I mean, what would cause the human to behave in such a horrible way? Yeah, I, I think it has something to do with just control. Um, you know, you, you um, we've been taught in our society that, uh, you know, Women are, you know, ungodly creatures, <laughs> and, which I, I find to be uh, it's a, a horrible thing. And um, it, it's caused of, uh, women to do this to each other, too, um, shame each other and, and, and these things. When, um, you know, and so ultimately they become um, slaves to uh, male patriarchy. Um, their bodies aren't their own, and um, it, it to me it's just a, it, it's just a horrible way to exist. Uh, we've also adopted that into uh, the males too now, um, and I would say just recently. I mean, after uh, the the women's empowerment movement in the '60s, uh, you know, because men prior to that they had whores and concubines and all of these things, and they were never bound to monogamy like the women were. But uh, uh, what happened was um, they decided, it seemed like society just said, okay, well, if women are going to be this way, uh, the men have to be that way too. And um, so now you have this paradigm where, uh, and this is very new, uh, where when uh, two people get married, um, they basically own each other. Now, me, uh, personally, um, I identify with polyamory, and I'll be, polyamory, I'll be polyamorous until I'm put in a box. Um, if, I, if I just decided or oh, if something happened and I no longer had any lovers, I would still identify with polyamorous because uh, the thing is, for me, um, I, I don't want um, – what. What I decide to do with my body is my own. That is my decision. Who I decide to share intimacy with uh, is my decision. So if I'm with someone and I'm only seeing one person at that moment, uh, I'm always as transparent as I can be with them to let them know that um, my body is my own and it is my decision. So if I'm with you and I'm with you only, it is just because I have decided that at that moment. 
But um, I think what we have with these, uh, with a lot of what's going on in this community now is the side chicks and the the secret don't ask, don't tell situation. Um, It's led to a lot of uh, emotional violence and physical violence um, because uh, of the lying and the cheating. And, um, you know, we're not giving our partners a right to have a choice as to um, whether uh, they want to um, engage. They don't have consent to the type of relationship that you've uh, got them into. And that's where the pain hurts. I mean, that's where it happens. That's where the pain is caused. Um, You know, we all need to have consent in um, the relationships that we're in. And... um, it's it's a it's a very very uh, tragic thing when a, a lover finds out that you've had more than one because you haven't told them. Uh, well, isn't that right done because? That. Well, isn't it done? Isn't that done because people feel like if they if they were honest with their their main lovers that they might leave them or threaten to leave them. Basically, like like honesty is not. I guess promote it as a virtue where, you know, the person yeah. feels comfortable in telling them what, what they're going through. Yeah. You know, there was like this study, I think it was the journal of medicine. Um, I, well, maybe no, what, maybe it wasn't them, but uh, I, I do know that um, they said it's estimated that uh, 70% of um all married men have um, cheated and, uh, or, did, or somewhere up in there. And I think the women were following at about 60%. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens in that situation. Um, STIs is one. Um, they've even uh, come to understand that people in open relationships have less instances of that, uh, infections and, and, and those types of things because of the fact that they're transparent. Um, and this is one of the, the struggles that I've had with coaching uh, families that are, are moving into polyamory is um, getting them to a place of transparency. We're taught in a society, in this um, punishment-based society, that uh, somebody lies to you, that's it, right? You always hear that all the time. I don't, you know, I don't deal with liars. They're gone. Or this or, you know, right. or this or that, you know, somebody lies to me, they're gone. And uh, one of the struggles that I've had to have with um, transitioning uh, poly folks uh, or or people that are going into polyamory, they're coming out of monogamy, and they think that they have transparency with their partners when they realize um, there's a lot of things that are not being said. There's a lot of things that are being um, swept under the rug. There's a lot of things that um, um, there's a closeness that they don't really have. Because um, there's this, uh, when you look at your, you know, when you look at yourself in the mirror, is that the same person that your wife or your husband are looking at? Um, Coming to that place where you are that person and not this other person that, you know, the person that you are with your boys, uh, the person that you are with your girls, um, is the same person that you are with your husband. Um, It's a challenge. And so um, this is where a lot of times I I enter into conflict with with, uh, transitioning couples because I I tell them that um, you're not going to get the truth 
just by saying, I want the truth. Um, and, and there needs to be a safe space. So when I say that, I say that uh, when there's a lying happening in any relationship, I even think in the monogamous ones, um, that onus shouldn't always go back on the liar. You have to create a safe space within your relationship for transparency. If you don't have that, then you need to ask yourself, why did this person lie to me? Is this something that I didn't do? Do they feel safe around me? Um, and because people that lie, they lie, a lot of times it's not an attack on the person that they're lying to. It could be out of embarrassment. Right. It could be out of shame. It could be that they just don't want that person controlling this area of their lives. And so, um, or it could be out of fear of a punishment or, or, or judgment. And so, um, but in our society, we don't get that lesson. Um, and so a lot of us are in and out of relationships because we say um, a person that lies to me is going to have to hit the bricks. They're gone. Well, then, are you creating an environment for transparency? Is it a safe space? Because if it's not, then maybe there's some self-work you need to do, too. And, and you know, and I, I'm going to give you an example. Okay, say my, my mom passed away, you know, and I, and I was just really broken up over that. And, okay. Um, and I'm getting ready for a funeral, and... Uh, my dog in the backyard dies. My wife gets the shovel. She looks at me, and she digs a hole and hides the dog. And I ask her, what happened to the dog? I'm about to put the dog away. We've got to go to the funeral. And she looks me dead in my face and said, the dog, the dog is fine. I put the dog in the garage. Do you think she did it to uh, attack me? You think she did it maliciously? No. It was just not a place and time to tell that truth. And maybe she may come come back at the end and tell me. And and then if I attacked her for that, you think she's going to uh, be open to telling me the truth all the time? So, uh, well, you know, what... What I do is um, I know in my relationships, I celebrate truth-telling. I, I let those that I love know, okay, well, you know, because to me it's a, um, it's a plus, it's a feather in my hat when someone can, when they feel like they can tell me everything about them and without fear of any type of uh, punishment or any type of, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, anything. Uh, so, you know, when I, when I get truth, I, I let them know it was, it was great that you uh, came to me that way. Or um, if they lied and they came and told me the truth later, I, I'm, I'm, I don't take it as a personal attack on myself. I, I, I usually say, well, you know, it's, um, I'm glad you were able to, you know, come, and, come out and tell me the truth. I'm pretty sure that carrying that around must have been painful. And I'm sorry you had to feel that. Because, um, you know, I know how you feel about me, and I know you love me, and you want to be able to tell me everything. So I'm, I'm glad you told me that. But I, I think that's the challenge that uh, a lot of the families that I, I deal with have a, a rough time uh, 
understanding and they have to change their uh, mentality when it comes to being lied to uh, because we live in this punishment-based society where uh, those lied to have no uh, responsibility in the lie. That's that's interesting and, and very, very powerful. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I totally agree, and uh, I, I think... I think those are the kind of uh, building block lessons that need to be taught very early on uh, because maybe, you know, if you're getting an adult that's been in that mode um, for for most of their life, it's, it, it's going to take some, uh, some time to kind of get retrained. But uh, I, I totally agree with uh, what you were saying, because ethics is one of the things that I know this has been harped on ever since I got introduced to polyamory, um, Mm -hmm. because um, I like the easiness of it, because uh, the the young lady who kind of introduced me in a way by accident to the the polyamory, um, she was like, she was very inviting. She was easy to talk to. Um, Yeah, yeah. um, it's it's been really one of the uh, cornerstone um, virtues, I guess, of this philosophy, which is you know to be ethical um, and just just the, the dialogue and the communication. The people that I've met have been just so unbelievably wonderful. It's just amazing. So I I just uh, I just think that what you said is is very important. Uh, one thing that I wanted to ask from my list of questions is. Uh, do you think that there are any cons of polyamory? Uh, there are any what? Any cons, you know, like pros and cons? Oh, any cons? Um, I, I, I think, I think uh, one of and and one of the challenges I think for polyamory is, uh, but I guess that wouldn't be polyamory. I, I think. Um, when people uh, try to engage in polyamory and um, they don't rid themselves of monogamous um, my, um, the monogamous thinking, if this isn't monogamy plus one, um, when you're dealing in multiple partners, uh, there's a lot of things that are just not of the monogamous world. And, um, the cons can be um, that you have a lot of uh, problematic situations um, that you won't uh, overcome unless you uh, let go of some of that stuff. So um, that would be one of the cons. And I say, I say that because um, I found, and it's, and it's not the case with everybody, but um, there's like this thing that happens that once you, uh, you know, open up this polyamorous door, it's just a challenge to close it back up. And so um, you have to know what you're going into before you open up this Pandora's box. Because once you start in, uh, engaging in um, this open conversation with uh, the person or people that you love, um, it's very hard to put some of that stuff back. And so the cons to come into polyamory, I, I found, is um, people that do this, uh, 
the the pain once they've opened up that box is in the resistance. It's like, okay, now you've opened this up. It's like getting off of the table in the middle of brain surgery. You know, you're already you're opened up now. You got everything exposed. Um, we got to finish this thing. <laughs> and and why uh, that? Um, because it would be like um, it would be like just asking uh, your significant other. Um, what turns you on, right? And, uh, you know, right. in a monogamous situation, you might say, uh, you know, the, the, the standard, uh, you know, out-of-the-box answer, which is you. Oh, you turn me on. And, um, and then you may engage in a situation where you say, no, I really want to know who you are. Who are you? Um, barring all of this stuff that you put up to spare, for, spare my feelings, and my jealousy and all of these things. Who are you? What do you, what really turns you on? What do you like? And I'm not even talking about sexually. It can be anything. But now I'm really getting to know my partner. And some of it might shock me. Some of it might uh, put me um, uh, at a, um, give me an uneasy feeling. And uh, now that I'm exploring um, who they are, uh, how can you unknow that? It's already out there. So now I have right. to deal and cope with that. And I carry that. It's like a, uh, you know, it's, it's like that. Um, it, it's, it's like a, some type of virus in your brain. You know, it's just sitting there waiting. And you can ignore the fact that you guys had that conversation. And it can be years. But somehow it still comes back around to haunt you. And so instead of going and, and uh, embracing the, the, the things that you've talked about, and I'm not saying you have to do anything, but just continuing on the, in, into this process of getting to know that person and accepting them unequivocally for who they are, uh, you shut the door on it. It's just it's not going to work. Or it may work, but uh, most, in most cases it's just a really, really complicated thing. And so um, that would be the cons to me of uh, polyamory. Do you think that poly people tend to be seen as threats to monogamous people and or be seen as intimidating in general since they're so, I guess, open and truthful? Uh, I, you know, I... I uh, no, I, I wouldn't say I, – I don't view them as a threat. Um, I think um, one of the things that, that you'll find, and this is something that most monogamous people aren't aware of, but most poly people have no desire. I say the majority of them uh, have very little to no desire to date monogamous people. They don't want to transition them because it, it just it, – it can be an emotional thing. It can, it can just be a drain. And uh, – you know, it's just um, so their desire to be with monogamous people, it's, uh, it's not a common thing. Um, I, ha I have, like I said, a monogamous significant other. Um, would I take on uh, another monogamous person? I don't think I have uh, the bandwidth to do that. So um, uh, at this moment, of course, I, you know, I just don't. So I don't see 
Um, you know, maybe monogamous people might see polyamorous people as a threat, but uh, I don't think polyamorous people have a, a desire to be threatening. <laughs> I think it's the opposite. I think they would rather leave monogamous people where they are. So how does the average um, poly person who's feeling like they're all alone in an island, how do they find others like them? Um, you know, I I get like inboxes I say every day about like that. Like um, I'm uh, new to polyamory and I want to date. I want to find a poly partner. Um, my 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 advice to people um, that are interested, uh, I would say uh, first thing, and, and I probably said this before, is become poly first, and uh, you know, get your head right first. Um, become polyamorous first, and then uh, one of the best things and the best approaches is to uh, um, be open about who you are. Um, you don't have to meet polyamorous people or go to this big function where there's a room full of polyamorous people. You can do it just by being open. Um, and that was uh, one of the things that I did when I entered into polyamory. I didn't go to a convention and there was a whole bunch of polyamorous people and I selected someone. I just said that uh, I want to be open about who I am and, uh, um, and, and also becoming involved in the community. Uh, you know, and I'm not talking about being P, black and poly. I'm talking about just in the community, the polyamorous community as a whole, uh, go to meetups, um, you know, throw a function of your own, um, just become active. And what you'll see is that um, your life, as far as polyamory is concerned, will slowly start to, uh, you know, unfold. Um, but just um, saying I'm going to seek out someone, um, I, I, I've seen people do this, and they have very little to no results. And, and a lot of them do this, and they do it um, – behind uh, a lot of them are closeted. Uh, I'm polyamorous. So I've, I've, I'm, you know, I've been this way for years and I, I would like to add another person. And I've been looking for another person for a number of years and uh, it hasn't been happening for me. And it, but when you ask them, are they open? Or are they out about who they are? Oh no, no I don't want to be. But um, you, you'll see in the LGBT community, the same thing. They don't really, uh, it's kind of hard to be in a relationship with someone that's closeted. I mean, we can't even go to a movie together. We can't, you know, uh, if I have a situation with my kids, maybe you, you can't, you can't be around my kids or anything. I mean, all of these, all of these barriers. So where, where are we, where are we uh, to spend quality time to get to know each other on an intimate level? And I'm talking about emotionally, not just physically. Um, where does this happen? Uh, if it happens behind closed doors, you know, it, it can be a, a challenge. Um, so, uh, you know, I would, I would advise those that want to experience polyamory that they, uh, you know, come out of the closet if they can. Um, there's some situations that don't allow a lot of people um, to do that. Uh, it could be from uh, fear of uh problems on their job or uh, some have even lost children, uh, you know, to uh, get, having their children taken from their homes because of uh, 
being too open or too vocal about being polyamorous. Are we still living in an age where that's uh, a fear? Well, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I was I was thinking about asking, well, I want to know about laws and how they affect the polyam- polyamory uh, philosophy um, and, and basically like how, how it impacts in any way. Um, there's been a number of people that have had some problems with their families, um, uh, you know, because of different cohabitation laws and things like that. Um, uh, some, uh, you know, the laws that are dealing with polygamy, which isn't polyamory, but there's uh, there have been complications with people that have had that. I think there is some change coming, and it's and it's happening um, in. Uh, Canada, there was a law passed about uh, children having more than um, one person on the birth certificate. I mean, more than two people on the birth certificate. That's a groundbreaking, uh, you know, um, that's groundbreaking change. Um, I, I think uh, we still have a lot of uh, a long way to go. But um, a lot of that also doesn't happen, change doesn't happen unless we are uh, active and vocal and letting those know that we're here and that what we do is no different than uh, what other people are doing, monogamous people are doing, and that love uh, is love, no matter what shape or form it is. Um, But it it won't happen until uh, we all speak up. But if polyamorous people are, as of right now, as far as I know, in the minority, wouldn't that be make wouldn't that make it a little bit uh, tough to make some progress? You said what's that again? I said uh, you said that in order to make change, we have to speak up, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, we have to become active. Okay, so yeah. so just doing things, just doing things like the meetups and just things like this interview will kind of help bring the social change slowly. Then, yeah, I mean, and it can be just small things. Uh, you know, or you, you're familiar with our meetups, and we we've you know pretty much in every major city, and uh, we also have London, and um, you know, just um, getting involved in the community and and uh, doing things. Um, as polyamorous uh, people, um, um, going to your um, local church and saying, um, you know, and, and having uh, talks with the clergy about your family and what the structure is like um, can bring some awareness. So they may disagree at first, but then when they see you and they understand that um, this isn't an a orgy situation, um, these are people that, um, you know, um, uh, uh, that uh, are like any other family, then uh, change can happen. Uh, we saw in the gay community, uh, they, you know, they they made uh, a big amount of change just by, you know, showing up to PTA meetings and, and being out there and doing things that um, anyone in a quote-unquote normal society does. Um, and, and they... And this is the way you do that. And it isn't about changing the image of what polyamory is. Uh, um, you know, like 
projecting something out there. Um, it's just about showing who you really are, you know, and letting the world see. Okay, well, um, we have another caller on the line. Uh, let's bring them on. 702, you are on. Seven oh two drop. Um, okay, so we have about fifteen minutes left where you are able to call in. After that we have some overtime, but you will not be able to call in. So seven oh two, uh if you want to call back, you have about fifteen minutes. Um we covered pretty much most of the topics that I wanted to touch on tonight. Uh what what are some future things, future goals? that you have in mind for the group and yourself? Um, well, one of them is uh, uh, right now, uh, I think we, we're, we're going to probably expand into Canada. Um, and um, there will also be, just like you have now, we're probably, we're, we should be, uh, there's going to be a podcast. So it'll be a BNP podcast. Uh, that's in the uh, works. Um, and it's just a, my, our future goal really is to um, expand the love style because there's a many people out there that um, just don't know of polyamory as an option for them, um, that they engage in because they have the capacity to love more than one person, they engage unethically because um, they just don't know. And that their lives are, um, are, are, are they're creating more complication in their lives than they need to. And um, uh, and and a lot of them are racked with guilt and shame because uh, the fact that um, they're with someone they love another person that's something that to them is shameful. And um, I, I think that um, when you are associated with those that understand um, how you love, then. Um, there shouldn't be any shame, and love should never hurt. Love shouldn't be a hurtful thing. It should it should be something that brings us all together. Okay. Um, so when when will B and T Canada start? Do you think? What's that? When will when will the Canadian branch of Black and Poly start? Well, I'm hoping that that one opens up by the end of the year. Uh, we're working on the connections with the uh, with Toronto and their community, and um, making the uh, the connections that are needed to uh, reach out to the Black community there. There are some challenges when you go outside of the U.S. because uh, the Blacks here, um, most of the times when you say African American, it just means one thing. It just means being Black. But uh, you know, like like I saw in London, um, the blacks there—they um, were not only black; there were French blacks, there were Trini, there were Jamaican, there were African, there were a London-born. So you have these cultures, and with those cultures, you have a whole um, set of uh, norms that you have to deal with and, and hurdles that you have to overcome for them. Uh, with us, it's just. African American, black, and, and our experience has almost been um, homogenized. Hmm. I, I never thought about that. 
Yeah, so it, London is a special uh, it's a special case, and I, I I tend to go out there maybe twice a year just to uh, attend uh, their meetings and um, kind of uh, make contact with them. Okay, so what what um, what other um, media outlets or things do you have so that if people want to look either the group up, you up, or any um, other social networking um, websites that you may have? Well, we have a Black and Poly Instagram um, at Black and Poly, and we also have a Twitter. And um, the Facebook group is where uh, you'll see the uh, lion's share of our uh, membership is um, there. We also have a, um, a BDSM uh, group on Facebook that's uh, – that um, deals with uh, those entering into that world, and we also have LGBT, and that's on the, that's a Facebook group as well, and um, we have a Twitter um, that was found that we had on WordPress. We're uh, at, in the process of moving that over into an actual BMP BlackandPoly.org site. Um, the site now is under construction, but um, it should be up shortly. I'm thinking by the summer. Um, but there's still blog articles out there um, that um, if you did a search for Black and Poly, you can find a, 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 a number of articles written um, speaking up on the subjects that we talked about today. Yes, and uh, when I went to the meetup in Atlanta, because uh, there's a, a meetup group that I found on meetup.com, I think, um, mm-hmm. I learned that, that was another one I didn't mention. Poly- I'm sorry, meetup.com has some options. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that's a little bit, um, I'm not tricky, but like that, using meetup, if someone want to, wants to start it in their local area, they have to pay for it. Like there's a fee involved in starting a meetup group and sustaining it. But mm-hmm. uh, you never know. It could be worthwhile. Um, but I found that there are other podcasts um, that's how I got mm-hmm. a lot of my education. I yeah. I can't think of their their names off the top of my head, but all I have to do is um, basically search for Poly Amory Poly Podcast. And uh, again, I just I just like being around positive people. I yeah. like being around smart people. I like being around people that are teaching me new things, new ways to look at things that are challenging me. And I I was able to find that with with uh, this community and, and it's I think that you're doing uh, wonderful wonderful things and uh, I'm just so happy that you you uh, shared a lot of those things that you shared with me tonight and I'm I'm glad to be here and able to uh, do that um, I, I I really ultimately would like to just see our community expand uh, you know it's it's such a small community. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about black and poly. I'm saying the polyamorous community as a whole. You know, just to expand the dating pool would would help a lot. Uh, you know, it it, it would um, it would be a great thing. Do you, do you, have you seen some some polyamory references in pop culture? Yeah, I've I've, I've seen a lot of them. Uh, there's some uh, right now. There's a there's a show. Uh, that I'm looking forward to um, seeing uh, the series. I think it's centered on a, it's like a centered on a married couple. Uh, it's called, um, what's 
the name of that show. It's uh, what is that show called? Uh, uh, it's called um, Me. I think it's called You, Me, and Her. Yeah, it's called You, Me, and Her, and um, it's centered around a married couple um, who who are like uh, coming off of a bunch of years of uh, baby sex and fertility, trying to have a baby, and um, their, their sex life was waning, and then they decided to uh, explore polyamory um, and by way of uh, you know dating other people. And so uh, it's a comedy, I think, or some type of romantic comedy series. Um, interesting uh, to see those uh, shows coming out and, uh, you know, bringing polyamory to the forefront and um, showing people different ways that people live. Well, for me, um, I would say that a few years ago I heard that Will Smith and Jada Pinkett were supposedly in a open relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you heard about that rumor. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Hollywood is a funny, strange bird when it comes to uh, uh, associating themselves with polyamory and sometimes even open relationships. The answers that they always give are so vague. And so, uh, and I think a lot of times it's just for fear of. Um, uh, them being, um, you know, uh, you know, being came at because of the fact that they are. Um, so a lot of them, are, I think, to some degree, are closeted. You, and what I would like to see is that they actually mention the word polyamory because it is an ethical form of non-monogamy. And I keep saying that because it, it's a practice. And, you, and as you may know, it's just a daily practice and it's a way of um, – doing poly uh doing um non-monogamy in a way that is ethical um uh, they dance around it uh, you know and um I, I would just like to see uh someone in hollywood actually identify as that that would be great okay so as of right now we're still we're still not there um and uh but i think i think it's changing i think uh I think, for example, following the LGBT lead is is going to be the the way of the future. You know, uh, for yeah. secular people, um, that's, there's been a lot of noise made in the last five to ten years. Um, the LGBT um, community has had such a big impact that a lot of people are calling it a gay agenda, which I think mm-hmm. is um, sad and humorous at the same time. That you know, if you are trying to like fight for your rights. People are uh, slandering it by calling it an agenda, as if it wants to do some nefarious um, things. But uh, I, I would say, you know, again, with the internet and uh, freedom of information, uh, there's going to be a lot more positive feedback. I don't know if you're going to um, have the same experience overseas because I've been to London, I've been to Europe, and they, these people seem to be a lot more. Uh, open-minded to a lot more than Americans. Mm-hmm. So um, I would fully expect for you to have a lot quicker positive um, feedback from people like in, in, in Europe and in Canada than you may get here. Uh, that's just yeah. my feeling about that. 
I I I see that happening. Um, it for some reason though different in the black community, uh, and I think it's only because of the fact that um, my experience from the people in London um, was that uh, they they viewed uh, black culture in in and of itself as um, and I said black American culture as uh, the pace setters. And so uh, our, my first experience with um, dealing with polyamorous black folks in London was, uh, you know, I, I, I thought that I would go over there and they would uh, kind of get us up on, um, on uh, you know, how to do things without having any hangups. But what I got back from them was, we're waiting on you guys. <laughs> Because you set the pace. Oh. You tell us what's cool, and we'll do it. That's so, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, but then you look at it, hip-hop and jazz and all of these cultural things that uh, black folks in London have adopted as their, their own and, and, and things, the things that they really like about American culture. Uh, um, that tells you right there. Uh, you know that that was one of the that was one of the big takes that I got from uh, London was that um, you know um, you guys and this is uh, with the black community you know as far as polyamorous people are concerned there's a lot of us that have been polyamorous for years and years and years and just closeted about it and um, basically the rest of the world is waiting on us. So what about what about non-black polyamory uh polyamorous communities um white hispanics asian of various types have you had any contacts with uh those people yeah yeah i'm 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 very much active in uh in the rest of the community in fact um i'm doing a polyamory in pictures in san francisco uh with uh, a, a couple of uh key uh, figures in the community. Um, we reach across the table all the time to uh, work together. Um, black and Poly is, um, I, I, use, I, I generally view uh, this organization as a, a stepping stone, really, uh, to um, introduce black uh, people uh, to polyamory. But it's not uh, a place to really uh, camp out. I, I, you know, I, I encourage them to branch out and, and um, you know, seek out other people in other communities. I'm not talking about to date, but, you know, if they want to, that's great. Um, I'm not saying that uh, um, black and poly is, an, is, is only a black thing. It's, um, it's just, um, I, you know what it's like to me? It's like uh, if, if polyamory was like Disneyland, um, I, I view black and poly as like the information booth. Um, you know, in, the, in that information booth, you, uh, it's not a ride. So, um, you know, there's no dating or anything. I don't really encourage that. Uh, in, in, we're not a dating service or a hookup. This is a place where you can get information. You can become educated as to what's going on. Um, there may be some lost and found. We do that. And we do some first aid. Okay, that's, a, that's, a, that's an excellent uh, analogy right there. Um, wow. Uh, 
I I I think um I think if everything is just going to keep getting better. Um, when when do you anticipate the uh, podcast side to be up? I'm I'm looking at uh, probably mid to late summer. Um, uh, the format uh, I'm I'm looking for hosts uh, now. Uh, that that wouldn't be something that I would be doing. So um, I'm I'm seeking out the host uh, right now as we speak, and um, I I do want the podcast to be educational, but I also want it to be entertaining. All right, well, we have reached our two-hour limit for the uh, call-in section. Uh, we have a little bit of time in overtime. Um, do you have any last thoughts, words, encouragement to share? Uh, I think I think uh, I think I probably uh, preached enough. <laughs> but I will say this uh, to those uh, polyamorous or not. Um, we, um, if we can just come together, and I'm talking about as a community, and uh, learn to use our love as a weapon, and um, uh, those things that uh, take us away from love and um, separate us, it, um, we should do away with. Love should be an object of our liberation and our freedom. And if it's not that, we need to throw it in the trash. All right, I think that's 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 wonderful, powerful. Um, we have a ways to go, unfortunately, but I think you know we're gonna get there. I think uh, if if it bears fruit, if it bears positive fruit, and people can see it in action, then um, it's gonna advance. And so I'm looking forward to all those projects coming to fruition. Um, I wish I can go to London again. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just uh, keep up the good work. I do appreciate your time. Um, hopefully, we can do like something maybe towards the end of the year to catch up and see, you know, what's 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 changed, what's been going on. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. And connect. That would be great. That would be great. All right. So just say hello to everybody um, on your side and. Uh, I know the show's already been posted uh, on the, the the group, so hopefully we can get some positive feedback. But uh, if there's anything else, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you a little bit later. Okay, all right. Take care, man. Have a good night. All right, you too. I told this guy on the little gig and stuff. You know what I'm saying? I saw you over in the cut. Tina? So take care of that. You know what I'm saying? 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 You know what You know You you happy? I like to dress cheeks. Let's go. Get off me. Shut up. I can't believe you. Now 
I'm in love with these two chicks. I don't know which one to pick. My feelings for them both are getting thick. Now am I wrong? Cause I don't want to lose none of them. Am I confused? Cause I don't want to choose one of them. It's no doubt I think about my honeys every day. That's no question. Show my honeys love in every way. Possible. I once took my shorty to the hospital. She cut the hand in glass. Fuck, I love that. Short and sexy. Lips always wet, see. I go, cause it's fresh, plus she lets me. Rub it the right way, like Johnny Gill would say. I'm glad you feel that way. Sometimes we just chillin' late. In the back of rubber back when we're resting. It was love at first sight, my confession. She knows who she is, can't say her name. Cause if I do, I won't be true to my game. Well, yeah, I can't escape this life that I'm living. I'm in the mix, I'm in love with two women. The first time I got two honeys on my arms, and I don't wanna let none of them go. Yo, I can't escape this life that I'm living. I'm in the mix, I'm in love with two women. The first time I got two honeys on my arms, and I don't wanna let none of them go. Now my next one, she lives out of state. I mean, the sex and conversation situation is great. Every time I hit town, we make a date. And when it's time to chill, my shorty can't wait. Now I can still remember when we first met each other. Exchange numbers from us, we won't forget each other. So the work is cool. That's cool, no doubt. That's why the went that rap. Uniform for proper, shorty looking proper. She's out to get me, can't stop her. No, I had the love of yo, still went for her. Even got the bit of kicks on the strip for her. Yo. Chatted, talked about, see you later. From that moment on, I knew that I had to date her. Couldn't have conversate long. Shorty had to go back to work. Something inside said, gotta work. I can't escape this life that I'm living. I'm in the mix, I'm in love with two women. I close the I got two honeys on my arms, and I don't want to let none of them go. What did you call me? I just called you your name. You got to stop confusing me. Just called you your name. You didn't call me my name.